0: Welcome to the LaQuay Family Podcast. Today we are continuing our chronological reading through the Bible in a year, and we're on day 25. We're reading Genesis chapters 38 through 40. And I wanted to prepare y'all that today has another passage with some descriptive language that if you have young ears listening alongside of you, you might want to be prepared to fast forward a little or maybe skip over part or answer some questions that you may not have been prepared to answer otherwise. So look ahead at Genesis chapter 38 before you read this aloud with your kids and make sure that you're prepared to answer any questions about the descriptive um, terms and situations that are, are discussed in this chapter. We left off with Joseph being sold to one of Pharaoh's officials, and we'll come back to the story of Joseph. But first, we talk about Judah for a little bit. So let's get started with Genesis chapter 38, and I pray that God will help us to understand this passage of scripture today. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hirah. There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shuah. He married her and lay with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kizib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so he put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that, though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send you a young goat for my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it, she asked. He said, What pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord, and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, Where is the shrine prostitute who is beside the road at Enam?" There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, "'Let her keep what she has or we will become a laughing stock. "'After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her.'" About three months later, Judah was told, "'Your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, "'and as a result she is now pregnant.'" Judah said, "'Bring her out and have her burned to death.'" As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. "'I am pregnant by the man who owns these,' she said." And she added, "'See if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are.' Judah recognized them and said, "'She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Shelah,' and he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put his hand out, so the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, "'This one came out first.' But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out, and she said, So this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out, and he was given the name Zerah. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, "'Come to bed with me,' but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife.' How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. "'Look,' she said to them, "'this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. "'He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. "'When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. "'She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. "'Then she told him this story. "'That Hebrew slave you have brought us came to me to make sport of me. "'But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house.' When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, "'Why are your faces so sad today?' "'We both had dreams,' they answered, "'but there is no one to interpret them.' Then Joseph said to them, "'Do not interpretations belong to God?' Tell me your dreams. So the chief cup bearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph has said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Well, poor Joseph is forgotten again and given the bad end of the deal, but God is still with him, and God has still helped him to be prosperous and even though he's been falsely accused and forgotten and treated very poorly he remains faithful trusting in God that God gives interpretations of dreams and knowing that that those things come from God i remember being taught how important it is what joseph said when potiphar's wife wanted him to come to bed with her and his response was not just that this is wrong, but he talked about how his master had put him in charge of everything and he had control over everything, but it wasn't just a sin against the woman, Potiphar's wife, or against Potiphar himself, but he noticed, how, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So Joseph knew that it was about more than just a sin against Potiphar but it was more importantly a sin against God In both instances when Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's household and also when Joseph was in charge of the prison it says that the the person above him that Potiphar and the official in the prison they had no concern for what they put Joseph in charge of so once Joseph was placed in in authority over things and had control over things that he was so prosperous and had so much success from God that they completely trusted him without concerning themselves with it at all. So it's an it's an interesting thing to consider you know do people consider you trustworthy to the point that they don't need to concern themselves with things that you're put in charge of or that you have authority over. A couple of other points to consider I've heard, as you may have as well, that Joseph's actions when Potiphar's wife was pursuing him, not only does it say that Joseph, day after day, even though she was pursuing him day after day, um, he refused to go to bed with her, but it says he refused to even be with her. So he kept his distance from her, um, and not only that, but he ran So quickly away that he left his cloak there in her hand. And to flee temptation, not not only to keep yourself away from temptations that you might face, but to flee them as quickly as possible is one of the messages that I've been taught several times from this passage. It's also interesting to note that she was so intent on pursuing him until she finally had that alone time and he refused and ran away from her. And then she completely turned on him and acted in hatred and anger towards him after that. When you think about how some people will pursue a, maybe a relationship with you or or want to get something from you, but then when they finally decide that that they're not going to get it when they realize that they're not going to get it or that they're not going to um, get what they want from you, then they turn and no longer longer like you at all and, and turn against you with just as much fervor as what they were pursuing you. Well, there's no shortage of examples in the Bible of the sinfulness of men. Joseph was the exception in his behavior and his righteousness. But the rest of the characters in this passage are more typical examples of um, the more typical sinfulness of of men. I wonder if... They had had newspapers, you know, maybe they did, um, how the the headlines of the newspapers might have read with these stories that we've read today, especially in the case of Potiphar's wife, and when suddenly when she realizes that she's not going to get what she wants from Joseph, that she all of a sudden cries, um Out against this Hebrew, and how the Hebrews have come to make sport of them, and she warns her servants and others around her of the Hebrews, and how that might have been labeled as racism in those days, or you know whether whether the headlines would have all of a sudden been against the hebrews and and it's interesting that sometimes when when we choose to do what is right and we don't go along with others and engage in sinful behavior with them, that instead of admitting their sinfulness and admitting their fault, that instead they they find something wrong with us. So if you're choosing to do what is right and trying to stand firm in righteousness and faithfulness and godliness, be prepared that those who want you to come along with them and engage in sinful behavior, they won't like that and they will attack you and find ways to attack you and will make labels or accusations or false claims against you in order to avoid having to admit their own fault. I pray that this passage will provide some insight and be helpful to you today and that you'll have a great day. Thanks for listening.